It's primary season for the spring elections, and I am so glad that you decided to join me. Pablo, hit the music. Let's have some fun. Mike is always right podcast. I am your host, Mike. I am so excited to have you here today. This is going to be a pretty cool uh, time for me because this is the second time I'm going to be able to interview Justice Dan Kelly. Now, we may or may not have a special guest joining us. We'll see when we get there. Just hold your wad there, fella. But before we get to that interview, I kind of wanted to share some thoughts. We we realized and saw the train wreck that was the State of the Union address. And, and really, what that did for me was it solidified more in my mind that all politics are local. And when you looked at the president up there blabbering on about what he was blabbering on about, you look at the first lady and the first mister making out in the second row there. It was just so entirely bizarre. And just the amount of vitriol, really on both sides, that came out. It was funny to me on social media the the morning after, uh, you know, my friends on the right, my friends that, you know, watch and follow the political junkies. Well, he said this wrong, and he said this wrong, and he's lying. He's lying. Really, guys, what did you expect him to go up there and say? Uh, The state of our union is, is actually pretty weak. People are dying of fentanyl. Our borders are overrun. Uh, gas has gone up. Uh, inflation's at eight percent. Uh, you know, we're, we're just not doing really. What did you really expect him to go up there and say, right? I mean, the spin that they put on the State of the Union address really could have changed the atmospheric pressure and the spin on our globe, right? I mean, there was so much spin there trying to highlight things that you know the president wanted to do, and and so you know to have people on the right mock it, I think is is fun because it's like, what do you expect? What was the guy really going to go up there and say? Have people in the left applaud it? I think it's absolutely crazy, but it, it really reaffirmed my thought process that we do not need to look at these, ours, eyes. We need to look at people. We need to look at people. We need to hold up their record, especially if they're running for a particular office. And we need to say, does this person line up with my morals and values? Does this person line up with my ideals? Is this person fiscally conservative? Is this person very liberal? And we'll get into some different definitions when we talk to Justice Kelly today, and I'm pretty excited about that, but really it it was a driving force for me. Watching the State of the Union was a driving force for me, and and it kind of had me beg the question, like, do we really need this anymore? Honestly, do we need a State of the Union address every year, which for the left and for the right is nothing but any Anywhere from a 60, 90 to 120 minute political speech. No, we get politics every day. We get everything forced down our throats every day, telling us every little nuanced thing. If you're looking at, from a right perspective, it's everything wrong and demonizing the left. If you look on the left perspective, it's everything wrong and demonizing the right. You are hearing the state of what is going on on a daily basis. This is not, let's make a, a speech, let's get the newspaper boys and girls and let's start printing it out and giving it to people because, you know, people don't have TVs or radios. So, uh, you know, I really question the need for it anymore, uh, especially with the way we are connected. People people know what's going on and people have their minds made up. So what you had was basic free advertising for any sort of political ideal uh, that you wanted to put out there. Is that right? I don't think so. Was it spin? Of course it was spin. Was he lying? Of course he's lying. Do you think if he told the truth, it, I mean, just, it wouldn't have gone anywhere? And I I think we're fooling ourselves to think that, you know, everybody has done it. Bill Clinton did it. Ronald Reagan did it. Ronald Reagan did the State of the Union address at a time when there was a lot of problems. If you look at 82, 83, and 84 before he won re-election, the economy was tanked. And there was a lot of issues that came forth. You got to look at that rollover victory he had, and then everything started taking off in his second term. So Bush did it. Number two Bush did it. Obama did it. Clinton did it. Trump did it. And and basically, what do you expect them to do? Go out and tell you everything horrible that's wrong? No. They try to cling to every single little nuanced thing, and they spin it like you wouldn't believe. I just don't think the State of the Union is relevant anymore. Uh, talk to me online. Call me a fool. Call me what you want. But coming up, we're going to talk to Justice Dan Kelly. I'm super excited for this interview, so don't go anywhere. Stay there. Get ready. We're going to have a good time. 
Well, all right, everybody, welcome back to the Mike is Always Right podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike, and I am so thrilled um, to have two particular guests with me. Uh, Justice Dan Kelly, you actually were with me before. We had great conversations before. And then I actually have Judge Shelley Grogan joining us today. And I am so happy to welcome both of you. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Mike, so much. I appreciate this. It's great to be back on your show. Thanks, Mike. I'm really honored to be on today with you. Well, we have we have some some pretty fun times last time. Uh, Justice Kelly and I talking about uh, moving from the the Golden State or what I call the People's Republic of Southern California, um, <laughs> and 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 the move to Wisconsin and all that. You know, we had we had good conversations, but really, you know, I, I kind of want to take this first time, this first opportunity in this interview, and let's let's get a campaign update. Let's talk about where you've been. Let's talk about what you're hearing. Um, your calendar is booked, man. You are running and running and running. That is awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I enjoy this aspect of the campaign. So uh, where have I been? <clears throat> I think it'd be easier to point to the place that I've not been. <laughs> and we'll, we're going to color those in pretty quickly. <laughs> So uh, it has actually been uh, just a delight. Um, you know, this is a beautiful state we have. And uh, my favorite part of the campaign is getting around and talking with folks uh, who care about the future of their state and care about the future of the court. And so as we've been having conversations with tons of folks, uh, their attention is starting to turn to the importance of this election and so uh, the conversations are getting uh, much deeper, much more substantive, and, uh, and they're concerned about the prospect of, or the possibility at least, of uh, Janet Protasiewicz going to the Supreme Court because they see her as, uh, as those throughout history uh, would look at, uh, at, at such folks as a danger to our liberties. And so they're becoming very insistent uh, that we all get together and make sure that uh, that we have a good, solid constitutional conservative on the Supreme Court. So those are the conversations I've been having all over the state. And I was just looking at my calendar uh, a few moments ago, just to get a sense of how uh, how things are stacking up between now and the 21st. And uh, as it turns out, uh, I am going to be in, in engaging in an extended exercise of sleep deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real challenge, right? How how far can you drive? How much coffee can you consume? How many hands okay. can you kiss? How many babies can you shake? Wait, no, that's backwards. No. No, what what can we do, right? And see everything and talk to everybody. Your calendar's full. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's you know, and this is, um, I think the folks in Wisconsin they really they want to have personal conversations with the candidates. Yeah. You know, uh, TV ads and radio ads and all that kind of stuff. It's all good. Yeah. But what they really want is face to face, shake your hand, look you in your eye. Yep. And say, what do I make? And they size you up. Yep. Yep. And that's and that's one of the things that I can I can say this. You know, we were talking before about as many places I've been and places I've lived and and you know traveling around like a traveling gypsy. That's one of the things that I think I really like about this particular state and and the people of Wisconsin. They're very genuine. Um, I would say they're probably some of the most open minded. Meaning, I want to meet you and give you the opportunity to you know tell me what you're going to do. Look me in the face. And and I think that is very, very unique um, opportunity that, you know, like you were saying, hey, if I had nothing on my calendar, this would be problematic. People want to meet their candidates. People want to size you up. And that's awesome. So let me pivot real quick. I want to pivot to you, um, Judge Grogan. I want to kind of pivot to you because you made an endorsement in this race and you're putting your name out there saying, hey, this is a person that I endorse. This is a person that can do a good job, has done the job. How important is it that we get someone like Justice Kelly on the Supreme Court, in your opinion? Well, it's critical. Um, And for me, the endorsement of Justice Dan Kelly was very easy. Uh, I think it was a um, he's the only choice uh, that can do the job. We know he did it exceptionally well for four years. He was the deciding vote in lifting the Evers unconstitutional lockdown order during COVID. He helped open up our churches, our schools, our state, our businesses. Um, So next time the government tries to 
tell me that I can't leave my house or go to church, I want Dan Kelly back on the court. I had the honor of working with him for four years when I was working at the Wisconsin Supreme Court. I worked with Justice Rebecca Bradley and Justice Dan Kelly was right next door. So I know his commitment to the Constitution and to individual liberties. I, I saw him and his work ethic and how hard he worked to make sure to adhere to the rule of law. And, and I worked with him together uh, writing opinions. And, you know, he has four years of writing Supreme Court opinions. And you can look at any single one of those opinions and know he's the best choice for the people for the state. Well, and I, and I think to to your point, you're 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 saying, listen, I didn't spend any sleepless nights. I didn't. This wasn't a nail biter for me. This was a no brainer, right? I mean, you you stack up what has been done, and this is the way we go. You know, an endorsement is is very very important, and to put your name out there is very very important. Let me let me ask you this: when you look at what we're facing when we look at you know it, it seems like we're only <laughs> we're only one emergency away from these liberties and 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 justice kelly please feel free to jump in on this one it seems like we're only one emergency order away from not going to church not going to you know uh, our, our works our place of business for the next thing right how important is it that we get this right it's absolutely uh, it's absolutely critical you know i uh, whenever we come up at near an election it's habitual for someone to say this is the most important election in our life. Oh, we've heard that every and, year, right? Yeah, and I try to stay away from that. And and I think that um, the way to look at this election is in the consequences. And um, I think this is an election like no other. And the reason I say that is because uh, one of my primary opponents, uh, Janet Protasewicz, the Milwaukee County Circuit Court judge, uh, is advocating an idea of the court that is so fundamentally at odds uh, with not only our constitutional structure, but with basic ideas of honesty. So, you know, you uh, I don't know if you caught this, but a few weeks ago she was on a show in Madison and, uh, and, and they were talking about the scales of justice, right? So we sometimes talk about uh, the work of the court metaphorically is holding the scales of justice. And the role of the court is to hold them straight, true, and even. Balanced. And not allow anything to affect them yep. other than the facts and the law. Yep. So uh, so that's, you know, it's the impartiality of the judge or the justice. So Janet was asked about this, and she said, well, you know, in the vast bulk of cases, I won't put my thumb on the scale. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, how benevolent. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Um, was that meant to reassure us? Yeah, yeah. Because that's not comforting. Like yeah. I mean, that sounds like a commitment to put her thumb on the scale. She went immediately on to talk about her personal values and what she wants to see the court accomplish. And the whole message was uh, that she will uh, set aside our law. She will set aside our Constitution. And she will decide cases according to her personal value. She will put her thumb on the scale in deciding the cases. And so, so this makes this race like no other, because that was um, that was essentially a, a promise. And this sounds a little oxymoronic, but a promise to be dishonest. Yeah. Um, and dishonest in a form that has been universally condemned for thousands of years. I mean, the scales have been the metaphor of justice forever both in the administration of law and in commerce and everywhere, the, the accuracy and honesty, honesty of the scales is absolutely imperative. And so uh, it has become a byword that someone is a cheat and dishonest if they put their thumb on the scale. But that's what Janet is promising for the state of Wisconsin. Well, and that's what I thought was interesting, because I actually read, you know, about that and, and it, it cited all the things that, that she said. And what I got, okay, now I'm always right, okay, but I'm also just an average Joe, okay? I'm, I, I have a job, I have a family. What it looked like to me is almost like she was saying, Jan, well, if it's just something normal or run of the mill, yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll do what we got to do. 
But if it's something I'm passionate about, or if it's something I yep. believe in, you know, yeah. then, and, and you and I had talked a lot the last time we talked about, you know, that judicial activism, right? Yeah. That, that yeah. seems to have been working its way into our court system. Now we're talking probably 30, maybe 40 plus years where, to your point, hey, the scales were a metaphor that we held fast to. And now it seems like there are people that are completely comfortable with putting a little putting a little thumb on it and moving those yeah. scales in their yeah. particular political favor. That's right. And, and think about what that would look like in practice. So any uh, if Janet were sitting on the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court hands down an opinion, the first question in everyone's mind will be, hang on a second, is this one of the cases in which you said you would cheat? Um, is this one of the cases in which you said you would be dishonest in using the authority of the court? Or is this the one where you, you, you decided to follow the law? Is this one of the cases that you set yourself above the law and set aside our Constitution and our statutes and our common law? Or is this the one you did, uh, that you did um, actually with the uh, actual authority of the court? I mean, what a disaster that would be for people's confidence in the work of the court if the first thing they had to ask every single time was, well, did you cheat in this one? Yeah, and, and that's... And that's... That when you when you look at a couple of different things historically throughout different societies and different civilizations, when the people lose faith in either their legislators that are governing bodies or they lose faith in the justicism as it's prevent as it's presented to them, when they lose faith and hope in those things to be true and honest, you you are setting yourself up for a complete collapse of society. Yeah, that's right, and and that's, that's very right. and that's very unfortunate because I think um, it it's a good sounding thing, right? Especially if you're maybe a little bit younger and 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 you're you know trying to to figure out what is going on in the world. Well, yeah, that sounds good. You know, we want to make sure things go right. Well, what is the definition of right, and who is the one mediating what it is? We just want yeah. the Constitution. We just want to make sure we're doing the things that hold up to what the constitution says. So let, let me ask you this, Shelley. I want to, I want to bring you back in here because something you said, it kind of in, intrigued me a little bit. You know, you talked about how hard justice Kelly works and he puts in the time he puts in the effort. And when we talk about having a solid record and, and you had talked about some of the, the opinions and things that you'd work with him, how important is that solid record when we're looking at evaluating a candidate? Well, it's, it's very important, Mike. Um, you know, Dan Kelly is the only proven constitutional conservative in the race. The other three candidates are trial court judges who have never done appellate work. They've never, never written appellate decisions. And the work of a trial court judge is very different than the work of a Supreme Court justice. And that's really important for people to understand because we really have never had a better candidate for Supreme Court justice before than we do right now with Justice Daniel Kelly. He showed us that he can do the job exceptionally well. You can look at any of his work and know that his actions match his words. And that's just not the case for the other the other three candidates. So it's really, really important to uh, be informed about who the candidates are and look to see whether or not they have a body of work that shows that their actions are going to match their words. We have that with Dan Kelly. And, um, you know, I looked at the records of all the candidates, just as Justice Rebecca Bradley did. And it is really a no-brainer for both of us that we have endorsed Dan Kelly in this race. So so let me ask you this, and, and I, I want to drill down on something that you said, because, um, you know, yes, again, always right. But yes, definitely a layman, definitely just, a, just, just an average guy. To me, I want to make the delineation that you just made because many people would look at it and say, a judge is a judge is a judge. You mean they put on the black robe, they're a judge, right? But you're making, you're making a case and you're saying, listen, you have this type of judge, you were talking appellate court judges, right? 
And then you have Supreme Court judge. They're, they're, they're going to have different functions. They're going to be doing different things, right? Can you just kind of expound upon that just a little bit for me? And, and Justice Kelly, you can kind of jump in there as well, because I think a lot of people may look at it and see, well, what's, what's the difference? A judge is a judge is a judge. They get the robe. They do the thing. They got the gavel, you know, uh, but there are marked differences in what different judges do in the judicial system, correct? Absolutely correct. The trial court judges are presiding over trials. So they are managing, you know, the, the juries, they're deciding motions, um, you know, they're making sure that the trials proceed, you know, from start to finish, and the juries render the verdicts. The appellate court judges are doing a much different job. There are no trials in the Supreme Court. There's no defendants that you have to interact with. You are reviewing written materials, the law, and interpreting con uh, complex legal issues. And you sit in your office by yourself with your computer, <laughs> the Constitution, <laughs> and the statute books. And you do not have to interact um, with other people like the trial court judges do. And the Supreme Court justices must decide the case based solely on the law. You know, you see the trial court judges, they're, they're interacting with people, uh, they show sympathy and emotion. We don't want a Supreme Court justice to decide a case based on sympathy and emotion. We want a Supreme Court justice to decide the cases based on the law. And I was in the Court of Appeals for over 20 years uh, with uh, other uh, judges before I moved to the Supreme Court with Justice Rebecca Bradley. I thought being in the Court of Appeals for 20 plus years that I had learned everything that I needed to, that I could possibly know um, in the appellate courts. And when I got to the Supreme Court, my eyes were open wide. <laughs> this is a whole because, different ballgame, huh? This is a whole different ballgame. That's from the Court of Appeals to the Supreme Court, yeah. where the trial courts are the first level below even the Court of Appeals. So um, a trial court judge who has no appellate experience, um, you know, is going to struggle a little bit to learn a Supreme Court justice job. And there is no training. Yeah. When you get elected to be a Supreme Court justice, we need no we need somebody training. prepared day one. Yes. Well, and I think it's interesting, yes. <laughs> Judge Kelly. I was when she was saying that you know it's you and you're alone, and I for some reason yeah. you know, one is the loneliest number. One is the loneliest yeah. number. <laughs> it, but 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 you're right. It's it's you. It's the brief that you're looking at, the case that you're that you're reviewing. And you're holding it up to the Constitution. What yeah. what is this? What is that? And, and so yeah. I, I I appreciate that that breakdown, right? Because again, people would say a judge is a judge is a judge. That's you know what what we basically understand, right? We know a lot of people will know what the different branches are in legislation, right? Senate, you know, um, lower assembly or or, or Congress. Yeah. You know, we know yeah. what a mayor does or whatnot. But sometimes there's this right. misunderstanding, right? And so I think that right. definitely makes a lot of sense in what you do. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's um, a good friend of mine uh, when he was uh, right out of law school, clerked for a judge, uh, a trial level judge for whom I have just uh, the, the most immense respect. And he told me a story once. Uh, this was, He told me the story just a couple of years ago, but it was uh, about a day in his life when he's clerking for this trial judge. And, um, and my friend is very much a student of the Constitution uh, as well. And uh, an issue had come up uh, in a case that they were addressing. And, um, and uh, the judge had asked him to do a little bit of research on the question. And so he went and did the research. He came back uh, to the judge and said, well, look, it's, um, this is a really complex question. and I'm going to need a whole lot more time uh, to, to figure this out. And, and the judge looks at him and says, look, time's a wasting. Load and fire. Load and fire. You know, we'll, let the, we'll let the Court of Appeals take care of the real deep research. Load and fire. We got a bunch of cases we got to get through. And, and that's kind of a, uh, one of the, the big differences between trial, trial courts and Supreme Courts. Yeah. 
is there's a, a huge volume of cases that trial judges need to take care of. Yep. That's a tough job. Yeah, definitely. Not, not taking anything away from that. I want to I exactly. be sure we, under, we understand, you know, with, with the audience specifically, we're not taking anything away from that, but we're saying this is a very unique uh, to what Shelley was saying. You know, you think you knew it. I was working 20 years and doing and then I got to this level, <laughs> and yeah. it was like mm-hmm. the bright lights of, of, you know, Sunday night you know football, and you're like, whoa, this is all different, right? Yeah. Well, I, and I was, um, you know, when I was going through the appointment process, uh, I, I, I was near the end of the process, and a friend of mine uh, said, um, you know, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> and I said, um, I think so. What did you have in mind? With an upper inflection? Huh? Yeah. And uh, he says, well, you know, uh, you, you know that if you are appointed, the, the job of a Supreme Court justice is, as Shelley mentioned, you go into, into your chambers and you're there pretty much alone all day long. You're reading briefs. You're researching cases. Mm-hmm. You're writing opinions. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I was listening to that, and I thought, well, that sounds like heaven. <laughs> uh, you know, this fits I'm, me. <laughs> yeah. I'm an introvert. I get, uh, I get energy from being alone. And uh, the idea of spending my days with the law in a deep pursuit of how it fits together in a specific case was just immensely attractive to me. And it's just wildly different from what the uh, what the trial courts do. Now, I wouldn't say necessarily that one is more important than the other because we need good trial court judges. Yes. Um, and we and, like and we have a, seen a lot of horrible trial court judges with low bail, no bail, you know, yeah, letting folks yeah. out and, and and light sentencing. We've seen that. So, yes, there is definitely a need and there has to be strong trial court judges. But they're just, you know, they're entirely different kinds yeah. of work. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, and I and I think that's uh, that's an important factor when it comes to a critical race like this one, where the balance of the court is at issue. And the question is whether we're going to have a court that respects our Constitution and the rule of law, or are we going to have a court uh, that spirals out of control with a justice who's already committed to cheating and being dishonest. And um, so I think that's the, you know, those are the stakes. Well, that's the byline right there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that is the byline. So I think, I, I think the other important thing, Mike, to keep in mind is that, um, you know, Justice Kelly has done this job for four years. So we know exactly what we're getting when we go into that voting booth yep. and, you know, mark the second Dan- Daniel Kelly's second on the ballot. So second uh, little bubble on our ballots. We know what we're getting with him. We're getting a proven constitutional conservative who knows how to do the job and who will always, uh, you know, protect the Constitution. You know, we don't know what we're getting that with any of the other candidates who may or may not be good trial court tr- judges. You know, they might be very good at, at the job they do in the trial court. Yeah. They have not done the job of a justice, and they have not written appellate opinions. And so it's really a gamble uh, to vote for anyone besides Daniel Kelly, because we just don't know what we will get with, with them. Well, we do with, with Janet Crosset. Yeah, right. We know what sort of train wreck that could be. <laughs> well, and, and uh, yeah, let, me, so, let, me, let me tell you this. Shelly, i, I got to have you on the show more, because you are just setting me up no problem with these questions, and you're really doing a great job. I, I think, I, think uh, I really have enjoyed having you, but you said something you. that I, that I want to really, really make sure that we drill down on, because you said, you know, he's the only choice, and we talked about having a conservative choice. There's a lot of people out there that are labeling them themselves a conservative this a conservative that and in talking with with justice kelly and and certainly both of you i'd like to bring you in on this you know there is a much different definition of conservative when we talk political things right when we're talking about how we spend money we're talking about policies we're talking about making laws and the compromise that goes into creating a law and implementing it and that's a completely different definition same word conservative when we're talking about being a justice correct yeah that's right and it's one of the reasons why um i like to use the term constitutional conservative because the, it because um, it, it tries to get away from the political content. Yes. Uh, because politics is poison to the court, right? So 
Wait, I, I want, I want you, I want you, just, I want you just to say that one more time. I want this literally. It, when you are out there in podcast land and you're listening to this and and you're looking at early voting, you're going to go vote. You know, if you really want to take a snapshot, this is the most important thing. Say that again. Politics yeah. is. Yeah, politics is poison to the work of the court. Ah. Um, in in just a in a fundamental way because it destroys uh, the concept of the rule of law. And, um, and it moves away from that, from a constitutional order, to the rule of judges. And, you know, I've been a lawyer my entire career. I don't want to be ruled by lawyers. I know lawyers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, what I want is to be governed by law. And so the only way to make sure that happens is if we keep politics out of the courtroom. So constitutional conservatism is about conserving the original public meaning of the Constitution and understanding how a court is supposed to function within that context. And so, you know, if I could just give a little bit of a primer on what that looks like, uh, I think it'll help people understand how this is so uh, completely different from questions of politics, which we decide in our legislative branch. So constitutional conservatism starts with the proposition that all of the authority to create and maintain governments in the state of Wisconsin belongs to me, the people of Wisconsin. And so they simply loan that authority to those who serve in state government. And it is just a loan. We don't give it away. We don't sell it. We don't alienate it in any other way. I like to say it, it has, has to be earned by those legislators. Yes. They need to earn indeed. it. you got to earn it. And as with all really important loans, we document the terms so that we don't forget what they are. And most importantly, so that those who serve in state government don't forget what they are. And when we get done documenting those terms, we call that document a constitution. And so a constitutional conservative uh, looks to the constitution for the full scope, uh, full scope of his authority. And so I see, <clears throat> excuse me, I see in Article 7, that the people of Wisconsin have loaned the judicial power to the judiciary. And that's pretty straightforward. It is sim The judicial power is simply using the existing law to decide the cases that come before the court and nothing else. So I look at this and I, and, and I understand the people of Wisconsin have looked at us in the judiciary and said, look, we have one job for you, one job. Please pay attention. Please do it well, but it is just one, one job. job. Use that existing law to, to decide our cases. And they tell us, we're not interested in your thoughts on whether it's a good law or a bad law, effective or not. We've got an entire different branch of government to address those questions, and we call it a legislature. So if we want to address whether it's a good or effective law, we'll go talk to those in the legislature. For you people in the judiciary, you just do this one job. Just apply the law that already exists. So that's, that's a constitutional conservative's commitment. And sometimes, you know, we shorten that up down to a, a phrase that says we don't legislate from the bench. But, you know, that's kind of a, it's kind of a bumper sticker. Yeah. There's a whole yeah. lot of scholarship that goes into uh, the basis and the foundation for that bumper sticker. And so a good Supreme Court justice is intimately familiar with that huge body of scholarship that allows us to eventually come to that pithy little saying, don't legislate from the bench. But, you know, you, 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 you my suggestion is when, uh, when someone comes to you and says uh, that he or she is a constitutional conservative and, and, and says uh, that she won't legislate from the bench, ask why not? And see what they say. Mm -hmm. See if they can go to the first principles and describe the nature of the authority uh, that the uh, people of Wisconsin own. See if they uh, are understanding how that authority moves from the people of Wisconsin to those who use it in state government. See if they can describe the parameters that encompass the scope of that loan. And then see if they can identify uh, the good, and the, um, the constitutional and proper objectives of the use of that type of authority. And if they can do all of that, then you can have some confidence that they are indeed a judicial conservative and will actually do that once they're on the court.
Well, and I think and Dan, the, the, the word that you just said, used was confidence. Can we have confidence that you're going to do that? Shelly, I'm sorry I cut you off there. No, no. And, and, and obviously, Dan Kelly can do all that. I don't know if you had a chance, Mike, to see the, uh, the only debate that the four candidates uh, have had an opportunity to do. It was um, interesting. In Let's just say it was interesting. Yeah, you know, Dan Kelly reminded me of uh, Trump's uh, nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, when she was in her Senate hearings and she was answering questions brilliantly. And someone asked her if she had any notes. And she held and up she her. Held up, yeah. She held up that blank piece of, of paper and no notes. That was Dan Kelly in the debate. Yeah. You know, the other thing that was really impressive to me uh, in the debate or, or significant is that they asked a question about the Heller case which is the 2008 uh, Justice Scalia Second Amendment landmark decision that said we have the individual right to keep and bear arms. None of the candidates knew that case or had read it except for Dan Kelly. You know, and, and you know what's interesting. You know what's interesting is I'll, I'll pull a, a biblical phrase here, which which I think is funny. But you know, a biblical phrase says, "Study to show yourself approved." Right? And, and what does that yeah, mean? You, you you want a job. You you you're applying for a job. On your resume, you have these things. But do you really know these things? Right? Do mm -hmm. you know the length and breadth of the law? Will you take the time to find it instead of making right. up your own opinion? Right. Right. The other, the other thing, um, you know, that uh, Dan Kelly has that the other candidates don't have is he has a long history of um, uh, lawyer experience in the civil area of the law. You know, the, the Supreme Court doesn't just hear criminal cases. They hear civil cases. Yeah. And civil cases is anything that's not criminal. So, yeah. you know, the election integrity cases and administrative law cases and private property rights and business litigation and insurance. He has experience in all of those areas of the law uh, that the other candidates do not. And so it's really important to to you know look at him, not only his experience on the Supreme Court, where he served for four years exceptionally well, but also in the private sector. He's been a constitutional conservative long before he was even on the Supreme Court, serving on the Federalist Society and leadership roles. And, um, you know, he really is our best choice. And and really our only chance uh, uh, to stand up against the, uh, the liberal candidate uh, because he is equipped and ready to do that. You heard him today talk about Janet Protosewicz and taking the battle to her. And it's not just the battle in winning the general election, it's a battle for 10 years, battling the, the liberals on the Supreme Court for 10 years. You, you know, a lot of you know, um, individuals get elected judges as a conservative, and then they get worn down yeah. uh, by the by their liberal colleagues. And Dan Kelly will not do that. He showed for four years he would not do it. And so we need someone who can stand up and battle the left in this election, but also stand up and battle the left for the 10-year term. Well, and I think in, and we had kind of referenced this very, very slightly when we first had, had kind of started talking, is politicians love to tell you this is the most important election ever. It's the most important election ever. There's so much on the line, right? Another thing they love to tell you is um, this will affect your way of life. Way of life is a big, big, big term, right? So, uh, you know, my, my thought process is looking at this, there is a lot at stake here. And especially coming out of this post-pandemic, you know, mistakes that were made and checks and balances. And just, I always come back to, we're just one fickle emergency from stripping the bill of rights away, you know, and to your point, Shelly, that's 10 years, that's 10 years of fighting. That's 10 years of applying the law in a constitutionally conservative manner to make sure that our rights are protected. If there's going to be a choice, I think this may be the only one. What do you think? I 100% agree. Uh, Dan Kelly is the only choice if that's what that we want, you know, to protect our constitutional rights for 10 years. So let me let me do this. We're gonna gonna wrap this up. I do so much appreciate having you guys here and and talking directly to the voters and and you know I think you know education, like we said, an educated electorate and a strong electorate, understanding just what we're asking you to do when you go to the polls. So what I'm gonna do, uh, Justice Kelly, is I'm just gonna shut up. I'm gonna get out of the way and I'm gonna let you make your pitch and I'm gonna let you speak directly to the voters, directly to the. people 
people that are going to propel you to office because this is a, a incredibly complicated job interview uh, for a job you've done before and you really want the opportunity to do again. So talk directly to the voters, make your case. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate that. So um, you're right. It is, it's a consequential race and the role of the justice um, is incredibly complicated. And so let me just give you a, um, just a little bit of a, uh, a look at that. And as you mentioned, you know, coming out of the COVID era, uh, there were a couple of opinions that were significant uh, during that period of time. And I think they're a good illustration of, uh, of why it's important uh, to have a, a solid constitutional conservative on the court. And, uh, and I think it also, and, and I have to say, before I go any further, Shelley, thank you so much for your most kind words. You are uh, you are just a treasure. Um, I really I, I really appreciate that, and um, I, and I think that the uh, the thing that is going to uh, set each of the candidates apart is the records that they bring to this campaign. And so uh, so I look at the the COVID era. Probably one of the most memorable opinions. Uh, from that period of time was the uh, the case in which we addressed the safer at home order. And Mike, I'm sure you'll remember that. Uh, that was when the Secretary Palm went into her Madison office, sat down at her keyboard, and tapped out a new law. And that new law was entirely the brainchild of an executive branch bureaucrat. Just out of thin air. Held it up. Poof. But, yeah. All by herself. Yeah. Made it up. Legislature had never seen it. Uh, and it was, uh, she made sure to note in it that if you disobey, you could be criminally prosecuted. And that was the order that shut down the state, told, uh, told people they couldn't go to work unless she said so, couldn't go to church unless she said so, couldn't go outside your home unless she said so. And it was so extensive, well, it, it even extended as far as telling people how to shake hands or not, or how to cough. So that came to the court for consideration in right quick order. And in that case, uh, we decided that it was an unlawful order by a vote of four to three. Four to three. Now that should have been a 7-0 opinion. That should have been a slam dunk. Absolutely. One of the easiest cases that we had. Now the opinion of the court was that the order was unlawful because it didn't go through the rule promulgation process. And that's true, it didn't, and it was unlawful for that reason. But Justice Rebecca Bradley and I, uh, and along with uh, Judge Shelley Grogan's help at that time, uh, we said that's just scratching the surface of the problem. So we looked at it and we said, you know, um, Article 4 of our state constitution says the legislative power is vested in the assembly and the Senate. Doesn't say anything about vesting it in the hands of an executive branch bureaucrat. And so we looked at that order to see if it was simply carrying out a pre-existing public policy or if it was creating public policy. And it was uh, without question creating public policy and that is an authority that the Constitution reserves to the legislature. And so uh, Justice Rebecca Bradley and I both wrote about how that order was unconstitutional because the executive branch reached over and grabbed the legislator's authority. All right. So now uh, uh, I complete my time on the bench. And, um, and then the public health officer for Dane County looks at Secretary Palm's order and says, oh, we want some of that in Dane County. And so that gets put into effect at a county level. That goes back to the court for consideration. And once again, the court decides the case on a four to three vote. But this time it was the other way around. And um, one of the members who was part of the three in the Palm case was part of the four in this later case. And that was Brian Hagedorn. And um, he had come to us four years ago uh, telling us that he's a constitutional conservative, that he would uphold the Constitution and the rule of law. And as it turns out, we didn't really 
understand what he meant by that when he said that. But we took a gamble on him. Uh, I endorsed him. I supported him. I helped him get to the Supreme Court. And then that was part of his record. So these are these these issues are not as easy as simply saying, oh, I won't legislate from the bench. You have to be steeped in the whole body of this work of scholarship that has been developed over many, many decades. And uh, in having a deep understanding of the Constitution, what it allows, what it uh, what it requires, and and then be able to apply that in specific cases as they come before the court to arrive at a conclusion that is constitutionally sound. It's not an easy thing to do, but uh, I will. Uh, I always hesitate uh, to uh, to say positive things about myself. I'm, one of the reasons I'm so glad you have Shelly on uh, your show this afternoon, <laughs> because uh, as she's been so kind uh, with her description of my work on the court. Every day I did uh, my best uh, to be faithful to the Constitution and in doing so, be faithful to the people of Wisconsin, who are the bosses and who own all the authority that I was using every single day as I served as a justice of the Supreme Court. And so many and so, people, yeah. have, so many people have lost fact, that fact. So many people have lost track of that, that the people are the boss. That's exactly right. And, it, you know, and I, um, and I invite uh, folks to uh, read any of my opinions so that you can see the heartbeat of a constitutional conservative and how that works in practice. So on my website, justicedanielkelly.com, uh, under the record tab, uh, we have some of the more significant uh, opinions that I wrote uh, highlighted, but we also have a full list of every single opinion that I wrote while I was on the Supreme Court. And, um, and the way that I wrote those opinions was with my bosses in mind and understanding that, you know, not, uh, not many of them have a legal background. So when I wrote an opinion, I understood myself to be giving a report to the people of Wisconsin about how I use the authority they loaned to me to decide that case. And so uh, I wrote them in a way that you don't have to have a legal background uh, to find them accessible and instructive. And so uh, if anyone has any question at all to get to the details about how um, I treat the law in the Constitution and how I use that and that alone to decide cases, they can look at any opinion that I ever wrote and see how I put that into practice every single day on the court. And so uh, and so I guess I, I have uh, I, I'd like to leave your listeners with uh, with two requests. Um, one uh, would be, you know, we have election season these days. We don't have election day. <laughs> uh, so no comment. You know, we're, we're, we're closing in on the end of election season. Yep. And so I, I would ask your listeners uh, to take a close look at, e at the record for each of the candidates for Supreme Court. And, you know, based on the stuff that we've talked about today, uh, you know, look at the records and decide for themselves who they want to be on their Supreme Court. Because all the power to, uh, to choose a Supreme Court justice belongs to them. And I learned from Spider-Man movies that with great power comes great responsibility, right? Thank you so, so much, Stan Lee. <laughs> yeah. Good lessons, good lessons. So, but that does, uh, that, you know, with that power to decide who sits on the court does come a lot of responsibility yes. in making sure that they make a good and solid choice. Yes. And so, uh, so I invite them to do that. Now, I hope that that leads them to me. And uh, because I would be so very honored if they would support me and and cast a vote for me somewhere between now and February 21st. And I'd be so appreciative of that. So that's one thing. And then the second is uh, for those uh, who pray, uh, I would ask that the, uh, perhaps that they would remember me in their prayers, uh, along with my wife and our children. So, you know, this is a uh, this is a daunting prospect to run a statewide campaign. Uh, it takes a lot out of you. But I've learned over the years that in prayer, there is strength and wisdom and peace. 
and that would be, uh, and, and I could use all of that in as much of a measure as I can get. Um, you know, I, uh, I sometimes uh, joke a little bit about my heritage. You know, with a name like Kelly, uh, you might you might know that I uh, am of Irish derivation, and there's there's a couple things that that Irish are known for. I don't know if you know what they are, Mike. Everybody's holding their breath right now. Everybody's (laughs) holding their breath. (laughs) So they're known for fighting. They they do it for recreational purposes. And so I, you know, I've got, I've got an outlet. I can mix it up uh, with the activists and I can, you know, I can go toe to toe with them and, uh, and engage in debates and explain why it's so very important that we honor our Constitution and keep faith with the people of Wisconsin. So I've got a little bit of an outlet in doing that. But my wife, my wife is Italian. <laughs> and she has no outlets. Yep. And so please, oh please, would you remember my wife in prayer? I like it. Uh, it she is a wonderful support to me, uh, but uh, she can also use all the strength and wisdom and peace that she can get to. So many, many people right now are, they have the ability for early voting. Get out, early vote, get out, bring your friends, make a date out of it, go have lunch afterwards, go talk about how awesome you are participating in your God-given right to vote. Do that. Go to the website. Give us the website one more time, Justice Kelly. Yeah, justicedanielkelly.com. That's justice danielkelly.com. Now, I say it's the standard form of a spelling, Kelly, with one E. But I do have friends uh, who uh, who are Kellys, but they're E-Y. Ah. And, 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 and they say they have the standard spelling. They are incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. Well, we'll make sure that we put the, the website address in the show notes so that people can go ahead Perfect. and just click on there and, and find out more information, find out what they can do to volunteer, find out what they can do to donate, because that's very, very important as we get to the finish line and, you know, get past the primary season and get into the general. So um, really, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, not only for running... Thank you for coming on the show. Um, Judge Grogan, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. I I, I got to figure out a, a way to interview you again because you were very, very uh, articulate and fun. And I just really enjoyed having you on. So thank you very much for stopping by. And uh, we're looking we're looking forward to some good things coming in the spring. Well, well I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy to, to come on anytime, Mike. I am also Irish, so I'm also a fighter. Um, and I. <laughs> And if, if your listeners want to look for any more reasons to vote for Justice Daniel Kelly, on my Facebook, Judge Shelley Grogan with a Shelley with an EY, and on my Twitter, I have been posting a reason to vote for Dan Kelly every day nice. since January 1st. Nice. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, listen, an informed, educated electorate is a strong electorate. Make sure you get out. Make sure you do your research. Folks, thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure to be with you. Awesome. I really enjoyed being able to speak with not only Justice Dan Kelly, but but Judge Shelley Grogan. That was really, really interesting. And so again, I will challenge you. I challenge my audience. Do the research. Know who you're voting for. Know their records. Know where they stand. Know if they're going to, like Justice Kelly said, put their thumb on the scale, or if they're going to be a strict constitutional conservative. It's exactly what we need in the Supreme Court. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you so so much for listening. Go to the polls. Vote in your local elections. Vote for school board. Vote for all of these different positions because we've got to keep this state strong. We've got to keep this state right. we got to keep this state pumping along and moving properly and protect the liberties that we have. So until next time, I appreciate you. God bless. Keep fighting and we'll see you on the next one.